You're listening to WSUM 91.7 FM, The Snake on the Lake. Hello, this is the devil. The opinions expressed on WSUM by its host and guests do not necessarily represent the opinion of the station as a whole, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or the Board of Regents, because we strongly encourage free speech, the healthy exchange of ideas, and because we want to represent the best our listeners have to offer, we try to bring a range of ideas protected under the First Amendment. We do not play music that has naughty words in it between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. Our staff does not use obscene or indecent language during those times. Please feel free to send any comments, positive or negative. <laughs> Regarding our policy via email to our program director at prog at wsum.wisc.edu or by regular mail to program director care of WSUM Radio P.O. Box 260020 Madison, Wisconsin 53726-0020. Thank you. This is WSUM Madison, the snake on the lake. 91.7 FM. Tune in to Gordon's Omelette with DJ Mac Jack at WSUM 91.7 FM Madison every Monday afternoon at 3 p.m. Young people from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part, too. (laughs) They're doing their part. Are you? Join the mobile infantry and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. WSUM 91.7 FM, Madison. Welcome to a very, well, I guess, very typical episode of XX underscore, but not so typical because we'll be focusing on mostly one topic this time. Uh, If you're not familiar with XX underscore dialogue underscore squad underscore XX, um, we are a political talk show um, hosted by myself, William Doty, a.k.a. Wacky Willie D, and co-host. DJP. Yeah, that's us, and we are. Uh, we discuss all sorts of issues of political and economical concern, and uh, you know, throwing a Simpsons reference every once in a while, you know, Doe. or or, uh, <laughs> or talk about Dune like we had last episode. That was fun, mm-hmm. but this time we're focusing on a very specific topic. Uh, that is the State of the Union, given. What was it, two days ago? Oh, yeah, on Tuesday, January 30th, given by President Donald Trump uh, to Congress that evening. It was an hour and 20-minute long speech. Uh, I watched the whole thing, as well as the Democrat and uh, Sanders' response. And that is that is commendable. Yeah. Oh, thanks. So the president gave, on January 30th, his State of the Union address, and I think before we go into it, we should just talk about what is the State of the Union um, it sort of started out. There is a formal provision it, for it in the Constitution, mm-hmm. um, in Article Two, Section Five, Clause One. Um, as many news channels pointed out, it says that the president must brief Congress uh, regularly on the state of the union, um, and then it morphs. I think, and starting in the 20th century with the rise of the media and whatnot, it morphed more into a presentation for the public. And has turned into sort of like an advertisement for the president and his policies. Do yeah, you agree? The, the speech used to be like read. It would be dictated and read by somebody else. Yeah. Uh, but now it's, I think, was it Teddy Roosevelt was the first person to go and, and read it in front of Congress? And it's kind of grown up around that ever since. Um, um, yeah, I'm not sure about that. I think it was. Um, oh, um, but anyway, so he pretty much starts with uh, commendations to members of the armed forces and public service, and then Steve Scalise. Do you know who Steve Scalise is? Yeah, he was a congressman who was wounded uh, almost mortally um, in the shooting this summer, which... Oh, yeah. By the way, like, I just will... This is, like, a public service announcement. Like, 
I don't know if people know this, but we almost lost like twenty congressmen. Oh yeah. Or sorry, people congressmen and senators to um a mass shooting incident this summer. Yeah. That took place during a um was it a softball practice? Yeah. Yeah, so a I, congressional I mean, congressional softball game or something. I was, whenever like Steve Scalise like comes up in the news, I think about like the counterfactual, um, which would be you know we suffered one of the largest like terrorist attacks against you know sitting members of Congress ever, mm-hmm. right? Like that almost happened this year. And, yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah so congressional anyway, but anyway, Steve, Steve I guess East he's Coast. like fine now. Um, uh huh. But yeah, that's good. Um, and uh, as this NOLA article points sure. out, uh. They commend him as the biggest winner of the State of the Union because he's going to Steve Scalise. Yeah, because he's going to be sort of recognized amongst his party as like a hero and therefore get benefit. Yeah, from but this. I, I hate that dude's politics. So let me oh. be very clear: like he is a reprehensible person. Oh well, so, I, mean, I mean, just because you get shot doesn't make make you like. I mean, okay, we're not saying right? his policies <laughs> are good, but to some people they're good, and the people that they're mm-hmm. good to, they're going to commend him. They're going to he's going to get some publicity. So. He's a winner from this speech, uh, thanks to the president, uh, you know, giving him a standing ovation. Or, I guess, half of the chamber. Well, about 75%. There are some Democrats that refuse to sit down. That was another aspect overall. Uh, the Democrats just uh, protested uh, for most of it and refused mm-hmm. to applause. For a, a lot of points, there were a lot of exceptions where it was whether it's congratulating members of the public service or people whose families have been affected by crime or things along those lines, the Democrats stood up. But otherwise, it was uh, mostly protest and boredom. I think some part of this is due to they don't want to sort of this constitutive norm that has come up, come about in the Democratic Party, where if you show any sort of like, you know, sympathy to the Trump administration, then you'll be punished for by either people within the well, party or people within your I base. I mean, d- just to be fair, like Republicans didn't stand during Obama's State of the Union. Oh no, in, no, in many parts, and it's just a reflection. But honestly, like I, I think people kind of like hype up. Like first, let me just be clear: speeches are incredibly boring. Yeah, yeah, it are was even more so. Yeah, um, and since was Trump r- wasn't being very Trumpy, it was even worse in a way. Yeah, yeah. And which is why, like, as, this is why I said like earlier on, like, it is commendable that you watched the entire thing. I, I watched. Yeah, it I, 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 I noticed some patterns in a lot of these politician um, speeches. I mean, I can't remember a single thing that Barack Obama said during <laughs> his State of the Union. Like, the only thing I remember is when he is when um that congressman from like South Carolina screamed like "You lie" um about. In reference to the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's the only thing I really remember you from lie. like Obama's two terms. Um, otherwise, like maybe like something vague about him talking about like the Iran yeah. deal. Like, well, I, I really can't. I mean, and that was like, two to years me. Ago. Well, the State of the Union, as I pointed out earlier, sort of acts like an advertisement to the American mm-hmm. people, and that's what I view it as, and that's what. He just rolled through went through this uh, address all the policies that his administration that he considers successes, although there are some like inaccuracies and things that he has taken credit for, which he hasn't done mm. or, or seemed to have taken credit for. I should clarify that. I say that a lot, but the president, I feel like he's saying thing, these good things that are happening because of the economy and what's going on because of the American people and just the economic recovery. And in presenting them to a State of the Union, it seems like he's taking credit for them. And you could argue it either way, you know, like Trump did it or he didn't do it. And he's just like proclaiming well, it because yeah, it is the actually, state of the union. That actually does hit like a central theme about like the way I was I was watching it. When I was watching it was like I I, I was taking notes and I, I drew up a column on the left side of the piece of paper and a column on the right side of the piece of paper. Um, and the left side said like things that were said. And then the right side, the right column said things that were not said. Yeah. And that really was, like, kind of what, the thing that dominated it. What did you notice? Well, okay, I mean, we can just kind of take a look at it. But, yeah, let's um, take a look. The main thing was, so, like, Trump would say, for instance, it would, okay, so I started around the time that um, the cameras panned to Steve Scalise. So um, he was talking, so it was like, it's, Trump was re- referring to the attempted mass uh, massacre of, of sitting members of Congress, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then, like, what he didn't mention was the fact that, like, we've had that, there's been almost no policy response with regard to um, stopping these events in the future beyond arming the police more, or maybe generally like giving more funding to ICE, right? Yeah. Or you know, expanding the, expanding throwing like, money around. Yeah. So the, the the thing is like he's like talking about it, but nothing was really done. Um, another thing would be like he was talking about how strong, unified, and and safe America is, and like yeah, I guess like on general crime metrics, like crime is down, right? It's been going down for a long time. 
uh, except for spikes in certain metropolitan areas, namely, um, you know, Maryland, sorry, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Chicago. Yeah. Even though Chicago's violence rate has been declining slightly, uh, St. Louis as well. Um, mm-hmm. But he's talking about like unity and it's like Donald Trump is a minority. <laughs> he was elected by a minority of people, right? Yeah. He it, is currently incredibly unpopular. There's no unity to speak of. The, the problems yeah, that, yeah. The I problem, remem- no, the problems that preceded Trump's election have gotten worse. Mm-hmm. In every conceivable way. Yeah. If you people p- hate each other now. Uh huh. Like it's and it's like the same. Like. Yeah. It's because it's become normalized. Um, people are just getting used to the. So there's like what he what like he's this. saying, and then there's what he isn't saying. There's he's saying like America is safer than ever. Well, in reality, we've been breaking our treaty negotiations with every country on the planet, right? Yeah. We have driven some of our closest allies further and further away from us. I mean, the fact that like you know the House of Commons was considering censuring a sitting U.S. president is kind of insane, right? Yeah. The Japanese hate us. The South Koreans hate us. I wouldn't say hate us. Well, I mean, considering the fact that Donald Trump is is stoking nuclear war on their on their country, like oh I, yeah, you know, I, I just that couldn't yeah, that doesn't really sit well with the them. the gains that Obama made in worldwide perception of the U.S. Um, if, you know, uh, post the Iraq War, post Bush's presidency, have all been wiped out, and they're they've gotten worse. Mm-hmm. The people of the world hate us. You know, it's like. We and the way that that correlates with safety is pretty obvious, right? And we don't have any allies. Uh, sorry, yeah. it should be like an obvious function of people disliking us makes us less safe, right? Yeah. So I mean, the, that's just one example. Um, I could, just, I mean, if you want me to keep going down, like it's, it's, it's pretty like staggering uh, the amount of, of things that were left unsaid, you know? Yeah. Continue. Um, give me another one. Okay. Well. Okay. So this was this is a great example. He said, "Now is never." There's no better time in American history to start living the American dream. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, when it comes to immigration reform, what is currently being proposed by the Trump administration would be a massive cut to legal immigration. Yeah. Okay, continuing on the immigration. As well as a 12-year path to Continuing on the immigration theme, he said that we are going to protect the nuclear family by limiting chain migration. This is one of the most schizophrenic statements I've ever heard said by anybody. He's saying, what he's saying is migrants who come here whether it's like the diversity lottery or whether it's skill-based or whether they've just waited in line and applied, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. He's saying we're going to limit their ability to bring in their family members. So what they're going to limit it to is spouses and dependent children. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember this. So he means like we're like by protecting the nuclear family, he means we're only going to be bringing— Well, only, only nuclear families. Yeah, so like the, the ability to bring in extended— like so let's say, for instance, like your adult child or— your niece or you know your uncle right like yeah. that is and n- never mind the fact that like actually bringing those people into the country is an extremely long and tedious process like it takes decades yeah it's hard enough i mean never mind that right yeah that it can take upwards of a decade right and that there are pretty firm limits i mean the way that he was like and then you get into another part of like what was said versus what wasn't said it was Trump was just lying about things or i mean well lying depends upon him properly understanding what the thing is to begin with but him saying untrue statements and like not letting what? the truth there out. Well, the fact that he was he was proposing the way he was framing um, uh, the chain the, the way he was framing the chain migration issue. For oh instance. yeah, people could just keep bringing yeah, unlimited he was, he numbers. Essentially the saying Democrats like they, can just, they can just pull people out of hats and bring them. Like, yeah. and that, that is not true. And the way he pitched the diversity um, visa lottery, which is saying like, well, there's no scrutiny applied to these he's, people. He's recalling granted. these sort of like yeah. subtly racist images of people pouring into the country. You know. So I, I mean, and it's kind of sad now that like him just going up, you know, in front of, you know, large audience of people and lying or just telling, you know, spewing inaccurate statements is is you know kind of galling. But yeah, that's where we're at now. But I mean, it kind of reminds you of Reagan, right? Where he would he would go yeah. up and make stuff up too. Yeah, so. and that's that's I think what Donald Trump's trying to do. Um, did you hear the portion about? I feel like throughout the um the State of the Union there was a lot of reassertions of american national identity he oh, mentioned yeah. he was, mentioned the flag yeah, a yeah. lot he mentioned the national ant standing with the hand on the heart for the national anthem american dream yeah he, he, he reiterated yeah. in god we trust which came from the 50s so that's sort of i guess it's sort of i call this it was a part of the speech mm-hmm. after some of the policy which i called the culture wars part yeah. uh yeah he had a lot of the old I, school republican think- nationalism as well as family values reasserting like a na- national christian identity sort of like um I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like an Eastern European leader well, so or something. This, this period is sort of like, I mean, he, he like a lot of Republicans. I mean, you can throw Proud Boys in there as well. Like they, they really. Proud Boys. No, I'm saying what they really hunger for and pine for is like the 1950s when 
you know, it, which is sort of the high point of white, sorry, the white working class's ascendancy in this country. That was when they were the strongest politically. It's when they were the most economically prosperous. Um, you're looking at 2% GDP growth, but like year over year during this period, like yeah. it was, and it's also Donald Trump's childhood as well. Cause he's yeah, like, what yeah. is he, like 80 or something, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> he's like 90. Uh, um, he's 70. Some something. sort of walking, you know, skeleton or whatever, but it's no, he's not a skeleton. We know that. Yeah. We know that. Right. Yeah. Woo. Hashtag. Like, do you oh, know? good one. Am I right? But, um, <laughs> we need a little. um, but yeah, so like a lot of the speech was sort of recalling the 1950s, at least the early 1950s, which I was know. thinking more back to the twenties with a lot of the American first, which we see with the lack of intervention in the world. Well, I guess, just, I guess just with the way that he was talking about like social structures and what we're going to, oh, yeah, which is yeah. we're going All to have low immigration. We're going nostalgia. to, yeah, we're going to have these family structures. We're going to, like you said, you know, assert that God is, uh, yeah. God is great. And God rules over this country. We're going to be overtly Christian in public. Yeah. We are going to de-emphasize the rights of migrants and minorities, women, you know, right. All that. <laughs> Whoa, but let's like, not go that I, far. I mean, like, I don't want to, like, you know, throw down takes that are too hot, but, like, those are actually <laughs> terrible times for most people in our country. Like, people forget about the fact that the 1950s saw one of the largest break, sorry, one of the most sustained breakdowns of American norms ever. This was during, like, the anti-communist purges where... Oh, yeah. People of, went wild. People went absolutely crazy. And this, like, the amount of fear and paranoia that gripped our country and, like, Wow, it's almost like it's, we're seeing this. Yeah, this it's almost again. like we're seeing it's it a, again. And, yeah. It's a new uh, American moment. Yeah, the economy's great and everyone's paranoid. And Yeah, and know. like conservatives like have the most power in the country, but they, they still feel like they're being persecuted. Oh, yeah. And the Democrats still pose a credible threat. But yeah. Anyway, on the topic of taxes, Trump, yeah. as well as the economy getting back to some of the more um, you know hard policy... He uh, said that there were 4 million new jobs in the country and uh, mm. 200,000 of those were in manufacturing. He states that the state of the economy is good, takes credit for rising wages after a long period of stagnation, although uh, CNN offered a fact check, <laughs> which said that it was it was a small percentage rise. It was like, um, or it wasn't CNN, excuse me, it was the Bernie Sanders rebuttal, which I'll get to later. Um, he clarified that it was only like a four cent per hour increase for a lot of workers. Woohoo! Um, anyway, mm-hmm. the African American unemployment rate has the lowest that has ever been, as well as the Hispanic American unemployment rate, which is ver- which is true. Well, that, that, wait, but, that, but that gets back into the said unsaid. So he said that, but it's the, still the background is that. Black people are still unemployed at a higher rate than white people. Yeah. Like, that is the background. And this isn't, yeah, this isn't to say, I know a lot of... So, like, uh, I remember, uh, no, do you remember watching it, though? A conservative response to this, uh, sorry, I'm I'm getting really loud. No, no, go on, go on. Um, Anyway, the conservative response to this would be, um, you're just creating divisions by distinguishing the races. But the thing is, is that it's not solving systemic issues in the country which create the racism, like... um, I guess generational poverty or long histories of crime, things along these lines. Um, Laws on the books for literally a hundred years after the Civil War that explicitly separated black people from white people and yeah. prevented them from participating fully in society, mm-hmm. and, you know, not giving them the sort of financial protections that as well, people had access to. Yeah, as yeah. well as laws that prevent felons uh, and people who do get involved in crime on account of uh, the poor area that they live in. Um, on account of those laws, um, they can't reintegrate into society, so therefore mm. you have nowhere to turn. Um, you know, this is this is more complicated for than a lot of people want to get into. Um, so yeah, this is he doesn't clarify the systemic issues. Stock market is rallying. Um, he brags biggest tax or cut slash reform in U.S. history, which is true. Uh, in total numbers, but not like percentage of, As a percentage uh, of GDP. Yeah, GDP. Yeah, like and as soon as he said yeah. that, I thought it was amusing that the Republican, like half of the room, just like burst into mm. you know tremendous applause. It was it was hilarious. Uh, doubled standard deduction for everyone. Doubled the child tax credit. Millions of Americans have more take-home pay, four cents per hour. Yeah, technically true. Individual mandate yeah, well, there, for Obamacare a, is gone. There is a part. What do you say? He was like. He was talking about how that's like forty thousand on average, but like due to the fact like that people are getting like per person, but like due to the 
due to the obvious like income skew or sorry due, due to our terrible genie coefficient like obviously poor people aren't and pe- sorry most people in the middle class aren't going to see any of that really yeah i mean i was reading like i was reading an article earlier this week about how like republicans are having a hard time selling the tax cut because where like, uh where's that article from it's from remember? politico and like they're talking about how how like most people the way it's showing up is like maybe $25 a week or sorry $25 per pay period mm-hmm. in their check and like it's hard to like sell people on the fact that like they're getting you know maybe $800 back per year yeah because like that doesn't really it's not like really noticeable because like a lot of people aren't really paying that much in federal taxes so it's hard yeah. to like actually implement meaningful change through you know federal income tax right mm-hmm. and I was just kind of thinking about that because like like, yeah, like, they're right that, like, you know, $800 is meaningful for somebody who is only making, like, $40,000 a year. But, like, if you're going towards – if you're trying to, like, address people's, like, real problems, which is saving for education – saving for the education of their children, saving for your own retirement. Healthcare. Costs. Having – yeah, having some sort of nest egg to – not even nest egg, sorry. Having some sort of emergency fund to cover things like your car going out, for instance, or, you know, you having to get an emergency surgery and let's say you're on one of those terrible – um, plan one of those terrible bronze plans on the uh, uh, Affordable Care Act's market. Yeah. It's like, you know, and like, yeah, like, in a way, like, yeah, I guess internet is significant, but like, it doesn't address people's like problems. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, you know. So. Yeah, that's true. Especially just because, like, the way it's the, like, like cookies. You know. Yeah, it's like the way benefit. the American system set up. It's like an eight hundred dollar like tax break if you live in like let's say you live in um some sort of urban center. Yeah, maybe that means a bit more because maybe you don't need a car, right? Yeah. Or let's say but otherwise like, it's just gas money. <laughs> yeah, maybe like you transport it out to like let's say like an eight, like a thousand dollar tax cut in like central Europe or sorry in like Europe and let's say you live in a city or you live in a country where you have decent access to public transportation. Like, yeah, okay, that's gonna make your life like a lot more better, a lot better than than if you live in like a like look at Trump's base. Like they live in or the the base that tilted him. Car country. They live in car country, and it's like, you know. It's just, it's just like gas money. if that's like your imagination towards solving people's problems hey, in this country, then people, yeah, like, I, yeah I just, some people, some people are like that. You I just know? gotta take issue with they that. They just have, because, an, you know, if you have an inward look, you know, you're like, hey, Trump paid for my gas money. That's pretty so, good. Was, well, that's so, pretty good. It's more than you can say for a lot of presidents. Yeah, or the, better or than that, Obama. Or that's like insurance. I don't know. It's just. Um, okay. Anyway, wait. Do you want to talk about something else he talked about, which was um, this was oh, kind oh of like yeah. so like the actual. Let's things, continue on. Yeah. So the actual things that, like Trump promised, like as a game plan for next year, was as far as I could tell, he talked about um, paid family leave. So like when you have a kid, you get some time off, right? Yeah, that's a, that's. Uh, and then the other incredible. thing he talked about was like we're gonna go after like the prices of prescription drugs. Yeah, he hasn't done which anything. Which I will about admit that. is was one of the only things that like actually like piqued my interest about next to like Trump's like potential foreign policy. Yeah, yeah. Was the only thing that, like piqued my interest about his presidency that like, I could possibly get behind. Obviously the foreign oh, policy yeah. part didn't pan out. But like And that's a bipartisan Trump, So Trump was saying like yeah support. like we're running our government stupidly right now. Like we can't negotiate as a bulk buyer on Medicaid uh, sorry Medicaid um sorry Medicare uh, Part D prices. Like the government just has to accept whatever prices um the pharmaceutical companies are offering them, right? Yep. We should use our market power to negotiate a Twist lower price and, yeah, and save some money, right? Yeah. This is what this is what insurance plans do, for instance, right? Yeah. Trump, yeah, and he said so prices can, will come down. Trump gets into watch. office, and he sits down with some, like, pharma execs for, like, literally 45 minutes, and he comes out and just decides to drop the whole plan. <laughs> oh, of course. So, come I mean, on, man. That makes sense. Come so, on. So, like, he's, he's talking about this at the State of the Union. Like, I get that he's saying it, but I don't they think just said They just kept saying 2020. <laughs> I don't think he's actually going to, like, do it. No, of course <laughs> not. It's going to be like the Russian government's approach. Oh, that's uh, that's another yeah. aspect we're going to get to. Then the Democrats brought that up. Both of them did about Russian meddling. That sort of yeah. like meme, uh, but in which the Russians are meddling, but I I think they overstate it uh, in this election. But like um, also like just sorry, just to put a pin in this, just to talk about paid family leave real quick. The way that that this is being proposed, the way that this is going to go down, um, according to the proposals that I've read, is like people are going to be allowed to borrow against their social security checks, basically. Mm-hmm. So you forgo six weeks of social security in the future to get it now, essentially. Oh, that's nice. And like that, that's, that, it, that sounds terrible. That isn't, and like Social Security doesn't. Okay, a lot of the. Sorry, this is so. 
So you, you know, so you I take a loan pretty much. I happen to have a bit security. of an inside track on this because I went to a dinner with one of our, the faculty um, at UW Madison who looks into how people sustain their their lifestyles. Like who throughout their life, um, I forget his name. Um, he's one of the chairs of the LNS. He's actually the president of the LNS um, school. I just completely don't know his name, but important. He's smart. But like, pants. what he looks into is um, what his economic research looked into was how people maintain their standard of living throughout their lives. Uh-huh. And like a big part of like how people are able to maintain their standard of living especially because like we have a lot of poor people in this country who like don't have any money saved so they just rely on social security the way that they maintain their pre-social security standard of living is that they don't have any kids anymore right so they're not looking after the expenses of you know two or three other people right Mm -hmm. but in terms of like so why i say that isn't enough money to like cover paid family like leave is because your you're you're going to be receiving social security payments while you're having you know potentially like one or two other children in the household right and let's say you're a single family let's say like you're a single income earner you know I, John just, Carl Schultz it just doesn't like jive you know yeah jo- um, obviously it would help but like during those six weeks you're going to still be taking a significant um, pay hit if you are some if you are in a work situation where you don't have leave provided for by your company or as part of your employment contract like let's say like you're a minimum wage worker yeah right like it still it still won't like actually looked after you in the in the way that in the way that you would think a paid family leave program would work for people that either already have it through their employer or if you look at like international examples yeah how paid family leave works and the way that again like i just think financing it through social security is such a terrible idea and just because, again, just because, I mean, like, if you did it partly, I'd understand, but, like, only financing it through Social Security, borrowing in Social Security, like, does, doesn't, like, dredge up enough money for it to make a difference. No. In the way that, that Trump would be, you know, talking about it, potentially. Yeah. Well, also, I think this may be a stupid question. Um, there are no stupid questions, William. That's true. Um, but is it going to be, like, borrowed from the own person's future Social Security? yeah. yeah. Damn, that's weird. Well, that's uh, how it's, that, that's why conservatives are proposing. It. So oh, of course, spend, yeah. Any Responsibility. Money. Yeah, right. All that, <laughs> which is why we were and all that bull. Yeah, all that bull crap. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um. Okay. So he also brought up the VA Accountability Act of 2017. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was fine. Yeah. Um. I think so yeah, I mean, it allowed was... firing of incompetent and employees and the quick hiring of new people. And he said he proclaimed that he won't stop until our vets are taken care of. And then the chamber erupted into applause. And he said something which is kind of unsettling and interesting to me. He said cabinet secretaries. He's calling on Congress to propose a bill that uh, will make it so that cabinet secretaries will have the ability to reward good workers and uh, punish or remove employees that undermine trust or fail the American <laughs> people. This is this is very Leninist. Like a, this doesn't sound like a purging mechanism, does it? <laughs> you know? um, well, I mean, we we know how loyal the workers are in the federal government of all yes, the, to the, to the, the czar, secretaries. Yes. yes, to the czar, comrade. That is a very I like. Mean, yeah, again, that is speaking, a very speaking like. Speaking of 1950s rhetoric, like the Russian sort the of government proposal. was purged of thousands of 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 um Com- suspected of, commies. Yeah, bureaucrats commies. who had any sort of leftist sympathies. You yeah. Know? it's yeah yeah i feel like that's that's probably what this is for as well as the fact that um in federal departments federal workers um due to the fact that they view the trump administration as illegitimate they're rebelling which multiple articles have been released about this um as well Mm -hmm. uh this has been attributed to like the problem with the trump administration is faced with leaks listen i don't think it's as serious as as people would like Sorry, I mean, like, I listened to, unfortunately, I list, found myself listening to an interview with Jeb Bush uh, the other week. Ew. Yeah, I know, right? I'm sorry. He, he, do, he still does this thing, this is how lame he is, like, he just, he was like, he was talking about, like, what he does on his weekends, and he was like, well, we have Sunday fun day where I invite my grandkids over and we make guacamole. Oh. And he said it like that. <laughs> wow, he sounds fun. Oh, God, yeah. No, anyway, um, but he was talking, like, even he was bringing up this thing about, like, he was using, like, the exact terminology he used was deep state, and, like, Obviously, gov- obviously, the government has, and each government agency has a culture that persists from administration to administration. Yep. That is a fact of human organization. Yeah, you have institutions but that in develop. in terms of it actually being this nefarious thing, I would just point you to the, to the um, resistance at the um, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. I brought this up on the program before. These adults, presumably, 
they named their resistance organization Dumbledore's Army in reference to the popular YA, I mean, really children's book series by J.K. Rowling. Yeah, Harry. Harry Potter. I, I, like that about, you, I like that you called them children's books. I feel like, are you a Harry Potter fan? I'm not really. I don't care, but what I'm saying is they're <laughs> naming themselves, these are adults who are naming, these are these these nefarious criminals who are naming themselves after a boy who does spells. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I... Not a boy who does spells, his old mentor with the beard who's wise and he fights the evil Voldemort. That's I Trump. I don't know if, yeah, Vol- hey guys, this isn't <laughs> Did can- you know that? In my head canon, Voldemort is Trump. Yeah. You know? And Malfoy is, and then and, well, who's and, Snape? Well, Jared. Well, Jared's Jared's um Jared's obviously Malfoy, and um Snape is clearly Steve Bannon Heckman? because he no <laughs> no Jared Kushner. <laughs> okay, that's our old co-host. If you don't know, um, rest in peace wherever you are. I saw him the yeah. other day, but he didn't. Yeah, I didn't, former, he didn't see me. Yeah. Um, he couldn't take the heat, I guess. <laughs> um, um, but <laughs> anyway, but like, I, I would just say that like these things are a not a, they're not as competent as you would believe and they're also not as nefarious in fact like i would suggest to you that most like people who choose to go work for the government are sort of boring and yeah not very threatening it's it's just a way it's mostly i view it as insubordination because they don't like their their boss and this is i feel like but this could turn into a norm of just complete centralization of power i mean which we already kind of have but i feel like this is going to be more explicit like let me let me just let like me just throw out, out like a, a counterexample to what the right is saying about like you know elements within the FBI or the EPA or like whatever bureau they're trying to or whatever agency they're trying to pick on at the moment. During Obama's presidency, he tried to realign the goals of Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, which is tasked with securing our borders and preventing contraband from coming in. He wanted to turn ICE into it's called ICE, right? Yep. He wanted to turn it into an organization that was, you know, dropping in on. Um, illegals, sorry, people without residency papers or any sort of, you know, legal residency in this country and, you know, kind of pulling them off of, like, their factory line or from a school parking lot when they're waiting to pick up their kids who are citizens. Like, you know, ISIS... Yeah, doing these public arrests. Yeah, doing these kind of, like, terrible things. And he wanted to turn it into an organization that was concerned primarily with going after crime on the border. Yeah. Now, elements within ICE freaked out. They resisted this. Oh, yeah. They they, went, their union went so far as to, nom- as to endorse Donald Trump during the primaries, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you didn't, have, you didn't have Democrats running around screaming about the deep state in ICE. They knew it's because they knew the truth, which, which is ICE is made up, is, sorry, is composed of the- Hardline people. No, the most like LARPing wannabe cops in the world. Like, I yeah, mean, yeah. You like, know, you know the look. The bald head, blue blocker bald shades. Head, yeah, stupid shades, <laughs> shoes. How you doing, sir? Is also in a militia. Like the kind of people who should never be trusted with any authority. Those are the people in ICE, right? Like we know there are a bunch. I of, mean, like, I feel like you may might be generalizing, kind of knocking ICE, but I feel like there's a there's a subset. I mean, I think I should be like defunded. In sort of like, way. sort <laughs> of like with House Fellows. Um, one of my friends is a House Fellow. Yeah. Um, he says it's sort of like. There's a culture where you have, like, normal people, and then you have, like, the extreme. And the extreme for housefellows is, like, the camp counselor type. Mm-hmm. who doesn't, like, let the kids live to their own devices. Yeah, like and they have to, like, organize strict and laws stuff, yeah. and everything, yeah. and they're like, we need to check up on the kids and all that, you know. I'm sure ICE is similar, where you have people who are, you know, more sympathetic, and then you have people who are like, yeah, let's get him at the job while I mean, he's listen, picking up his like, kid. Whenever, whenever a president comes in who has priorities that run counter to an agency's mission that agency's going to rebel you're going to you're going to have problems okay yeah, yeah. and like deep there's state no, like deep this state. deep state thing is just it, it is it's the, the fact that like something that alex jones has been you know poking for years and promoting on this radio show right yeah the fact that that's now become like common political currency on the right is just really shameful yeah pathetic. you know like we know where this stuff comes from it yeah comes it's from, born it's born out of an ignorance of politics and how you know and like it I comes, guess, from, it comes hey, from this the is why raci- we need political science. No, it classes. comes from the racist, misogynistic, and anti-Semitic corners of the internet, and now it's like, yep. just something that like you know, Kelly well, Conway would go on Fox News. It and does say, right? come from that, but the way it gets traction is due to a misunderstanding of politics, like yeah. the like the folk devil of George Soros. Like <laughs> George Soros is just a product. Like he's just some guy with money with who likes you know 
neoliberalism and democracy. I mean, of course I would he's going to throw his I money would just around. Say, I would just say, in, you, you know, know, he's no Alex super villain despite his, you know, Hungarian no, ethnicity. I would just say that in Alex Jones' defense, we've not checked George Soros for horns, and we've never seen him without pants. We can't confirm if he has a tail or not. I mean, right? I haven't seen any he horns. He could be hiding it. I've just seen some, you know, sad-looking, saggy mm-hmm. face I mean, George Soros. It's possible that he could have cloven hooves, right? We don't know these things. That's true, man. You know, right? You never know. You can't. You don't know till you <laughs> say. You can say. I've never seen your feet, so you know you might have cloven hooves too. <laughs> Moving on to back to the State of the Union, yeah. which we were talking about. He said last year the FDA approved more drugs and devices than ever. I don't know why this mm-hmm. is a good thing. I guess to big pharma it is. Um, patients have a right to try, which uh, resulted in a standing ovation from the Democrats, um, which is like. Uh, patients who are on their deathbed get to try experiment, experimental drugs. Uh, initially, there was like restrictions yeah. on it. Now it's streamlined. Um, I think that's an area of like partisan agreement because yeah. obviously, like if we could do the thing where we allow for um, drugs that have gone through the uh, European Union's approval process, if yeah. we allowed them to also be approved on in a fast track you know basis by the FDA, that would be you know something that people would be into. I also think obviously the experimental treatment. As long as, you know, waivers are signed and people understand what they're doing, like, I think that's definitely, like, a patient's right thing, you know? Yep. So I don't think anybody is really, like, or I haven't heard too many, I guess I'm not really informed on the issue, but I haven't okay. heard too many things about it, but. Yeah, neither have I. Uh, it seems like a good thing. Um, but we could be wrong, you know? You never know. Facebook.com slash Dialogue Squad. Um, so then he goes on, um, let's see. Um, he mentions scrapping unfair trade deals and going for reciprocal mm-hmm. trade. Which is Cra- stalling, by the way. Yeah, cracking down on intellectual property uh, enforcement or stronger intellectual property enforcement, which has been a problem I mean, for a long whatever time. You want to say ab- and piracy. Whatever you want to say about the TPP are attempts to negotiate, you know, piecewise contract or trade agreements with the countries that are part of the T- the sorry, part of the Trans-Pacific Partnership has gone terribly. It's stalled. We're, yeah. we're nowhere. So. He's trying to, uh, you know, revive those relationships, mm. thankfully. Um, then he goes on to mention that it's time to rebuild infrastructure. And he sort of reasserts this, like, working-class American identity, which I find fascinating. He says, we're a nation of builders. And he said that it takes 10 years for a, a roads permit to be approved, as opposed to the Empire State Building, which is erected in one. He points that out. <laughs> Uh, so he calls on Congress to produce a bill for $1.5 trillion for infrastructure investment, and any bill must streamline approval process to one to two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he pointed out, um, we'll have to see these developments. Uh, and he says, reclaim our building heritage. I didn't know we were builders. I didn't. That's a, this must be a Donald Trump. Yeah, meme. I was waiting. It's very, for, like, working class. He's, waiting, he's, like, no. he's like reasserting <laughs> the working identity. It's sort of like, you know, it's like we're having this, like, communist I was, I was waiting for him to agenda say, like, forced no. on us. I was waiting for him to say, like, we have the smallest skyscrapers. You go elsewhere. In the, you go to Singapore. You go to Dubai. You go to Dubai. They, th- their skyscrapers make ours look tiny. What are we doing? See that? You see that? What you talking about? Willis Tower in Chicago? I think it's pathetic. Pathetic <laughs> compared to Dubai. Believe me, Chicago, a lot Listen, of problems. Tower going, number one. All I'm gonna say is, radio antennas do not count as part of the tower. They are separate from the superstructure. You can't just put. If I put a straw on my head, I wouldn't say that I was six seven. I would say. <laughs> I have a I, straw on my head. You would say you have a straw on your head. Are you stupid? You're not a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're a nation of builders. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I like. I I, I, I find remember, this fascinating. Hey, I remember, remember the last time we were a nation of builders was when we uh, caused the housing bubble, right? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We'll we'll build a little too much. The five year plan will go too well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we've overproduced on houses, comrade. Yeah, he wants to <laughs> he wants to lift cities from welfare to work. Uh, investment needs to happen in job training and vocational schools, as well as. Uh, I mean, this is where he mentions paid family leave. Uh, immigrant families will be aided by programs incentivizing merit-based immigration, another schizophrenic sort of statement, uh, as you pointed out. And he, he uh, I guess, endorses prison reform by mentioning that prisons will be reformed to allow felons a second chance at I life. Didn't, I without, didn't know what he meant by that. Yeah, without mentioning any specific— Exactly, yeah. It's just— I feel, yeah, in order to, you know— 
so say what you mean. I feel like you need to have a concrete thing, and that we'll get to yeah, this with the opiate crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he goes on uh, about immigration, um, talking about we're a compassionate nation, but we're mostly compassionate to Americans. Got a lot of booze from uh, Democrats, and in fact, he uh, seemed to associate MS-13 and Dreamers got booze from Democrats. Um, so yeah, he continues on about immigration. He says that there's going to be a path for citizenship for young illegal, uh, immigrants brought by parents at young age. A, he says about 8 million people and they'll become citizens over a 12 year period. Oh, short period of time. Sounds very convenient. Wow. And then we're going to go with full border security. And he mentions a great wall on the Southern border, more ice and border patrol throwing around money. Uh, an end to catch and release. Do you know what that is? I I meant to look it up, but my, I was unprofessional. Uh, I just think it's like referring to you identify, like you pick somebody up who gets processed in a jail. You identify the fact that they do not have citizenship papers, and then, and then you don't detain them for ICE to pick up uh-huh. to be deported, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's probably like in relation to that woman who was killed in San Francisco. Yeah. Because the person, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the dude who like did it was um. Elite. He was. Uh, yeah, he'd been. No, he'd been in. He had been migrated illegally. Yeah, but he'd been picked up and had been let go. And like twenty four hours later, he, oh yeah, like I guess. Well, his his story is very. You got to be tough on crime. Um, and his chain migrations, as we mentioned earlier, we were joking around about this. He talked about there was like an unlimited number, which got more booze than Democrats. That just isn't true, though. Like, yeah, I, I don't Can know. Can you how clarify? Else. Well, you okay? So you. you so this is the part where you get into like are these his conditions or has he been has the White House been negotiating with Democrats in the Senate already? Yeah. And that's what's unclear to me is I don't really know where he's coming from, but prior to uh the so so like 2 weeks ago when we had like our shutdown thing, right? Mhm. Or I guess it was less than 2 weeks ago. Um part of the negotiation around like a deal that would, you know, pass immigration reform was that we were going to process all the people all the 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 people who were migrating through the the chain migration program or who were migrating to you know be with a relative that we would process all those and that list was already like 10 years long and there were four million people on it yeah so like when you this was oh gosh i know like i had a um i had a indian coworker this summer who was telling me all about it and i completely forget it but like basically like he was trying to get his parents to come over so that they could help raise his um his children mm-hmm and they were on a, a wait list. Like he said, they'd be viewed in like three years or four years. They'd already been on the wait list for a while. So wow. Um, and then so obviously there's like a need thing. There's a need. There's a need test associated with it, I think. And then um, there's also like you can't just like bring in like your cousin's niece's nephew, right? Like yeah, you can't just bring in arbitrary people. Like there's like I think there's a need associated with it. Um, yeah. Like yeah. you need this person. There's there's like administration, you know. It's not just like willy nilly as some Republicans like to think. Yeah, you know? I'll um, I'll send him an email and ask him about it. Okay, yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, okay, so the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, or caucus, excuse me, they wore a uh, kente cloth. Um, mm. from what country is it from? Do you know? I should I should look this up. Never mind. How unprofessional. I've always like associated it with Pan Africanism. So yeah, it yeah Pan Africanism. Uh, there it's from Ghana. Um, by mm-hmm. the um, um, the ethnic group, uh, and it was made in the Ashanti region. Um, but it's a symbol, like you said, of Pan-Africanism. And some people saw this as in reference to the S-hole comment. And Cory Booker refused to uh, applaud Trump at all, and he was the first to walk out, and he was especially uh, angered by the S-hole comments, um, according to interviews. So... Continuing on to the opioid dep- epidemic, he mentions uh, that 64... He mentions it's a problem. 64,000 Americans were killed by opioid drug overdose, and we must... But Trump, um, I feel like he's hitting the wrong target rather than focusing on pre- prescription drug and prescription opioid addiction. He's focusing... He said, we must get tougher on dealers and drug pushers, like it's the 80s or something. Um, and then he has an anecdote about, uh, or he invites on someone that saved a heroin addicted pregnant homeless woman. Um, yeah, that was a bizarre I feel moment. Like, well, I feel like Trump is. It just shows how focused Trump is on getting applause, um, which undermines his sort of well, actual. Policy. It's like meanwhile, like the the opioid commission that um, is headed by, I think it's like Chris Christie who's in charge of it, like has not 
really produced anything of value or but I, I remember they, they released an interim report. Yeah, well, I was in the talk about a it. A few months ago, but like they didn't, it hasn't been implemented or really picked up by the administration at all. So I don't, I don't know. Is there, has there been any congressional, um, any congressional like attention towards the issue? Like, any um, like I'm not, I'm not for certain. Maybe we should look into that. Um, anyway, continuing on. Mm. When it comes to abroad, he points out China and Russia as our rivals, and unmatched power is the only way to peace. peace excuse me. Calls on Congress to end the sequester and fully fund the military. Um, and then, bizarrely, he goes on a rant about nu- nuclear weapons, and he said, our nuclear arsenal must be revitalized to deter any aggression. Uh, he lost me here because I feel like, you know, the United States has plenty of nuclear weapons. Uh <laughs> Uh, and kind of, it, they'd just be wasting assets so, at that point, you know? Well, well I was telling you— We're not going to use them. I was telling you before about how I've been reading about, like, George Wallace, Wallace's, like, presidential yeah. campaign. And this, I think it was the second time he ran. His his VP pick was a guy by the name of—it um, was Curtis, um, quote—sorry, uh, this is his nickname. Curtis Bombs Away LeMay. <laughs> yeah. And Wallace, like, had trouble with him on the campaign trail because he would return— like, every speech he gave was about his favorite subject, which was— Americans' irrational fear of nuclear weapons. Yeah. <laughs> and how we should be more willing to use them. And he just kind of reminded me of like, because like a lot bombastic. of like, Trump, I was telling you before the show started, like a lot of like what Trump's been doing is like been reminding me of, um, of, um, of Wallace's campaign. Yeah. Specifically. And especially because I'm, I'm reading a biography of him right now. It's mm-hmm. like the, the similarities are, yeah, the similarities are like definitely there. But I mean, anyway. we do have less than Russia. We have about sixty eight hundred. Russia has seven thousand. So maybe that's incentive. Maybe we get like two hundred, maybe like three hundred more. That way, you know, we get the upper hand a little bit. Otherwise, they'd just be wasting assets. And you know, by wasting asset, I mean something that you hemorrhage money into, and it doesn't really get you any benefit in terms of strategy. You have it just because you have it. Uh, the Pentagon has plenty of them. They don't get you any sort of geopolitical advantage. So the yeah. question is, why re- have them? Kind of reminds you when like John McCain would put up like military budgets during like Obama's president second term, and like it would they would call for like more naval subs and more. Um, aircraft carriers and the navy wanted mm-hmm. like more tanks than the army needed and like, yeah of course the, their advisor pushed back and say like listen like we don't we don't really need all these uh, all these uh, assets we're not going to do anything with them like we're we're good yeah <laughs> so the politician and like he would no and like and like he wouldn't change his he would like didn't still didn't change the bill oh of course <laughs> not no come on military needs it all yeah oh i'm sorry eating the mic sorry sorry mm-hmm. listeners um ISIS has lost about 100% of its territory, according to Trump, which is true. Um, about 90% of it's gone, other than most of it's desert now. Um, Trump then goes on to mention about terrorism and interrogation. Uh, he says, we must be able to detain and question terrorists because they're not just criminals nor soldiers, but unlawful well, enemy combatants. And I guess he's trying to argue that international law mm-hmm. does, do not apply to them. Well, you know, he... he um he rescinded Obama's executive order to close Guantanamo, right? Yeah, he yeah. said Gitmo is open for business. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, the Trump Trump Guantanamo only, Bay Resort. You want to go waterboarding at Guantanamo the only Bay? The challenge is finding some recruits, right? Yeah, like, uh, dude, we could go ro- waterboarding at yeah. Trump Guantanamo Bay Resort. Um, there's some dark. Humor. Okay, wait, can I can I kind of like bring something else in? So I don't know if you saw yeah. this New York Times like um, editorial, but there was. There was a uh, editorial they ran a few weeks ago that was talking about like what Trump supporters um, liked about Trump mm-hmm. in his first year in office, and like the three things they talked about were like they talked about the economy, right? Like the stock market's really up, so it's like the stock market, moving the capital to Israel, and you know eliminating the Islamic State. Yeah, right? I didn't watch the entire thing. Did he bring up Israel at all? Like no, Israel? he didn't. Well, he so brought he, up Jerusalem, but that's okay. It. Yeah, but the, but otherwise he talked about he, the way he talked about he talked about the, the UN. He talked about cutting foreign aid, except okay. to allies and um, but I guess like countries. I was, was kind of thinking it. like if you were a Trump supporter and like you watched it, like would he have said the things you wanted to hear? And like he definitely hit the two of them. Two of them that I I noted from that from that op ed. Which uh, which two? Were you saying? Um the 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 economy right? Yeah. And then like. Um, Jerusalem. No, not Jerusalem. Sorry, the uh, like destroying ISIS. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the two big ones. Which is weird because like those are things that like Trump like really, I mean, 
like you can kind of like run a simulation where you think like okay so let's say like any republican had gotten into office with the majorities that trump got in with yeah i think the economy would have done similar things mm-hmm. in terms of like you know it was yeah there, in terms there of, was because like the reason why it surged initially because like everybody thought clinton was going to win and you're going to have like a stalled you're going to have like deadlock in washington yeah and there wouldn't be any tax reform then you know republican gets in with majorities in both houses okay we have to readjust and we're going to be more bullish about you know about yeah. our investments right yeah because republicans are and everything around. since then has just been fueled by the the prospect of eating a tax cut right yeah um so like it isn't true like trump like trump just by virtue of being a republican got that right yeah and also and the economy is already recovering under yeah there um, has Obama been and Janet Yellen, yeah more know. jobs are added under yeah. the 11 months before trump took office than in the 11 months he's been in office well, some of that can be attributed to the scourge of natural disasters that we. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. we had a lot this. Yeah, we did. I mean, in in California and Texas, Texas, which are relatively California, productive. Puerto Rico. And those are really productive parts of our economy too. Yeah. So like when those go down, it's like, okay, yeah, so we're gonna have a bad tornado season in like Nebraska. That doesn't really affect GDP that much because nothing's really happening in Nebraska. Yeah, other but than Texas. And, yeah. There's plenty and in California. And like Dallas, plenty. yeah. So like that that is substantial, right? Um. So then, okay, moving on. Uh, he continues on with foreign affairs. Uh, he said U.S. has sanctioned Cuba and Venezuela, um, and the North Korean pursuit of nukes uh, must stop. U.S. is pursuing a campaign of maximum pressure, and they will not repeat of the mistakes of past administration, mm-hmm. and the North Korean regime is depraved in nature. And then he talks about he has two more, I guess, heroes or people I mean, who that's sacrificed. Um, which is, you know, it, it is true. It is a terrible regime, and they have on... People whose son, so who did he bring up? Um, Otto uh, Warmbier, oh, really? okay. yeah, who yeah. was locked in a North Korean labor camp for 15 years. He was an American, and then came back. He was emaciated and terribly sick, and then he died upon arrival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said that his family is a witness to a menace of the world, which is true. And then he brought on Ji Sung Ho, who was a North Korean defector whose brothers and sisters ate dirt mm-hmm. after his uh, leg was run over by a train. And his brothers and sisters are malnourished, and their growth is stunted just because they wanted him to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he broadcasts into North Korea uh, anti-regime messaging. Mm-hmm. So, and he had crutches that he had from when he was a kid, injured in North Korea, and he uh, held them up. So that was pretty heartwarming. Uh, and then at the end of it, uh, he says, Tr- "Congress is a memorial to the American people." And then the bro Republicans start uh, chanting <laughs> "USA, USA, USA." And that's how it ends. USA. Uh, USA. You want to take a break? Yeah, sure. Okay. Illumination, UW Madison's award winning literary magazine, is looking for your work. If you write poetry, fiction, creative nonfiction, or if you are an artist looking to showcase your photography, painting, or 2D skills, Send your work for a chance to be featured in Illumination Spring Magazine. All majors and languages are welcome. The deadline to submit is February 23rd. For more information, visit uwilluminationjournal.com. Welcome back to XX underscore dialogue underscore squad underscore XX. We are talking about the uh, State of the Union. Um, previously, we talked about the State of the Union itself, and now we're gonna. I'm gonna talk about mm-hmm. a little bit about the Democratic responses. Uh, Joe Kennedy the third. Um, do you know what he is? Is he a congressman or senator? I should have looked this. He's up. a congressman cool. from Massachusetts. Yeah, that's why uh, I figured. No I mean, he is a Kennedy. Yeah, <laughs> yep. very much a Kennedy. Uh, he looks the part. Um, he has the name. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I I feel like 
I feel like part of the fact that they chose him to give the uh, State of the Union response is trying to reconfigure their party's identity to be more responsive mm-hmm. to what they think the American people want in response to their uh, loss of uh, the 2016 election from their uh, more identity politics and urban-based um, like approach to things. Now they're more focused on like working class identity. And one that's one aspect of the speech that I really enjoyed, or I guess the rebuttal um, was, although it was very vague at first and he brought up, uh, you know, just a lot of the talking points and not referencing anything specific. He eventually uh, went on to the Republican view of politics as like a zero sum game where mm-hmm. it is like the working class whites uh, from rural areas versus everyone else or like, uh, poor inner city people, or as he pointed out, um, and just these sort of artificial social divisions and divide and conquer politics. Um, and Joe Kennedy stated that the Democratic Party should pursue both of the interests, which I think is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the way the party is going and the way that is going to be successful for them um, in working ahead to the future if they want to survive with, um, I guess, the Republicans taking the working class vote, you know, because of the uh, the political system, the way it is, the Democrats will continue to lose because they need people distributed within rural areas as well as um, I, I and by rural areas. I mean, also like flyover country and like states and all that. I'm talking with presidential mm-hmm. elections and things along those lines. Um, so it was given out of vocational academy in um, here. Let me look up uh, Democratic. I should know this anyway. I th- think where's uh i think it was in baltimore uh some uh vocational academy over there um anyway very good speech um it was full of sort of like political filler you know the founding fathers and all that you know jazz that everyone has to throw in you know to rally the troops i guess um so it was pretty good then the sanders response i think um sort of hit on more specific points and was more of an in-depth response rather than, like, an announcement of who yeah. the Democrats' new identity. Just, Sanders he, was he more of a, went, of a takedown. Yeah, he went, like, point by point and rebutted yeah. Donald Trump's, like, platform and how he hasn't done what he said he was going to do, which is, I mean, frankly, true. Like, that's yeah. just, that just is true. Um, he hasn't really, yeah, um, done much for the constituency that provided yeah. much of his base initially yeah as he as he said uh only two percent this is from sanders uh video response which is on youtube mm-hmm. only two percent of americans reported receiving a bonus or raise due to the tax cut mm-hmm. and um he said that the the wage increases that donald trump amounted to was about like four cents per hour for uh <laughs> the typical worker which isn't which you know obviously isn't much um so and he also pointed out Trump appointed a big former big pharma CEO to health and human services and that he has done nothing to negotiate drug prices. So if he wants to show us that he's so committed, he'll have to do something about this. He also pointed out, like you were pointing out, the things that were, you know, not said, um, like climate change, Citizens United decision, which allows, mm-hmm. you know, millionaires, billionaires to found ultra packs and super packs and whatnot or whatever sort of like. Say it in the Bernie pack. voice. Say it in the Bernie voice. <laughs> Super PAC. Millionaires. Millionaires. <laughs> Republican efforts to suppress <laughs> votes and make it harder for poor people, talking mm. about voter ID laws and also, which obviously the Republicans aren't going to talk about. You know, they're gonna, not going to talk bad about their own party. Mm-hmm. Um, but also pointing out also uh, the Trump administration's l- true plan for the infrastructure, um, which is to um, sell uh, off the infrastructure and state level they want to encourage states to sell off their infrastructure to corporations to develop and in- investors who will develop them this is in contrast to what the president presented as which is sort of like just funding you know mm-hmm. um so the vast majority of democrats as you point out have a va- uh, different vision of the country than the republicans and trump um very divisive message coming from sanders uh, which is sort of r- surprising but then he says that there's a revitalization of democracy taking place and there's more and more grassroots activity coming and the it's the new democrats who mm. know what's up and then he brings up the cokes and says that although they have money the democrats have people and Beautiful. uh that yeah that's Let's it. play it out all right facebook.com slash dialogue squad soundcloud.com slash wacky willy d that's me uh, you can find all of our episodes there. Hope you enjoyed the show. 
This is XX underscore dialogue underscore squad underscore XX. Political talk show, economical talk show, social talk show. With hosts, Wack, Wacky Willie D, a.k.a. William Doty, with co-host. DJP. Have a good weekend, guys. Yeah, have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy Saturday. Bye. Closing time. One last call for alcohol. So finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.